We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome to a weekend mailbag edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to try to put together something quick here. I uh, had a little bit of a chaotic morning, so couldn't record last night or this morning. This is like, as you would presume, my wife and family understand this is the summertime where I have the largest opportunity to do things without being tied to everything Cleveland Browns. So as you could tell over the last two weeks or so, the podcast release schedule has been a little bit chaotic. So bear with me. I'm going to try to, like I always do, the least amount of episodes I've had in any single month has been 27 in a month. So I'm going to try to keep that moving forward and do as many as I can throughout the next month and a half uh, before we get to actual new content. So if you're a loyalist who is checking into this show, even during these insane downtimes of really nothing new coming out, I applaud you very much and appreciate your support and loyalty. So as we do all the time, we're going to do these weekend mailbag editions. So we're going to pull questions from a bunch of different places, emails. Uh, obviously, I post something on Twitter for you guys to reply to. I have gotten some um, direct messages through the OBR. And then I started, if you have not paid attention, maybe you're not even a, a part of the OBR and you're, you're considering whether you would. Um, I'm going to pick a couple questions. not going to do all of them because I want to keep this specific to our subscribers uh, I've, I really have started a thread in the forums, which is a, what I'm calling an X and O Q&A. It's open. There's no dumb question. Anything you want to know about football, ask it, fire away, come in and have a chat, and we can try to understand the game a little bit better together. So I think most people have been very open to it. So uh, I, like I said, I hope if you're not a member, it's a reason to join and become a member. Like I've put some other film clips in there talking about Evidence by which they're changing the offense, right? So showing you practice clips, talking you through them, drawing up the plays, and then also putting in some things we've seen otherwise, like, you know, uh, what are the flashes of elite that Kevin Stefanski was talking about last week from Deshaun Watson? We're trying to identify and decipher those. So trying to keep things fresh, trying to give you guys a chance to just, you know, come in and ask questions and talk about the Browns in as many different ways as possible. We also started a thread on salary cap questions because there's a lot of salary cap questions because it's a very you know, esoteric specific thing out there that 
I think that you can sometimes feel like you know the answer, but maybe you don't always have that perfect answer. So those are open forums. Come and join us, talk ball and uh, everything. We have fun in those. So uh, listen, what I want to do today, a couple different things happen. It seems like finally Kareem Hunt has some suitors out there. It seems like Denver's been buzzed out there as a potential landing spot. Washington is a potential landing spot. Uh, yeah, that's out there. That's floated. We'll see if there anything comes to fruition for Kareem Hunt as another place to play. It's kind of a weird slow market for a lot of running backs like Zeke. These guys who are free agents, the veteran running back market is in a strange spot. And, and really the running back market in general because we're continuing to see mounting evidence about running backs' contributions to winning and signing these guys to second deals. And not just signing them to second deals, but seeing them actually complete the second deal. We saw Dalvin Cook released. Like we're seeing a lot of different evidence and, and, you know, Nick Chubb, we've obviously gone through this many times. This could be Nick's last year. So there's a fun conversation to have, maybe not fun, but interesting around maybe altering how running backs are paid because these guys are being used up and thrown to the side before they're even in their late twenties. Sometimes there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, it's a position that is really you know, tearing up the body of the player without them ever getting seriously paid. And it's going to deter a lot of guys away from actually being running backs because why would you? Because what is the financial, you know, what are you gaining from that financially in terms of compared to other positions, wide receiver? And I'm talking about if you're a young kid trying to figure out where to play, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. So uh, we'll see if they end up ultimately doing something about that. I know we've mentioned before quarterback contracts and how big of an impact they have on the actual salary cap. Maybe if you shrunk the quarterback contracts a little bit, you'd have more money to feel comfortable giving a running back. But it's in, um, you know, as this structure, right, the rookie scale was put into place, I believe, a decade ago, uh, um, right around then. We've gone through a roller coaster of trying to map out the best way to optimize every penny of the salary cap and maximize rookie contract deals. And we're going to get to the point where we're going to see some weird changes, I think, in the coming years around that stuff. So uh, that's a discussion for a later time. But uh, something else I noticed is going to be happening again is the supplemental draft is going to be put in place again for the first time in a while. Ian Rappaport confirmed the report by Dane Brugler that the NFL is bringing back the supplemental draft. They have one confirmed participant at this point, which is Milton Wright. It was a, it was a nice wide receiver for Purdue, three-year starter there. Shared the field with David Bell for a little bit. He accumulated up over 100 catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns in three years in, in um, West Lafayette there, Purdue. I don't know if there will be more that enter this supplemental draft. We haven't seen it in a while. The Browns drafted, if you remember, two huge supplemental draft selections in their history. Started with Bernie Kosar all those years ago, and then they took, in the more recent modern era here, took Josh Gordon in the 2012 supplemental draft, which means, you know, a, a reminder, if you take a guy in the second round of the supplemental draft, you lose the following year's draft pick. So I don't know if Milton Wright will get selected, but the the return of the supplemental draft is meaningful because we haven't we haven't seen it since 2019. So wanted to fill you in on that. Let's get over to... Uh, questions now because uh, that's kind of it in Brown circles. I guess the only other thing is that we're hearing now that DeAndre Hopkins and the Browns were never connected. They were never Browns were never seriously entertaining it. I don't know how much I believe that. I really don't. I know that that's come from a pretty reputable source in Cleveland that they were never um, never going to pursue him. I'm not sure if reputable is the right word, but a, a popular voice. And as, as many things you can throw at the wall with some of this stuff, insider stuff is interesting to me because it feels like you can you can linguistically kind of dance around 
the answer and have the right answer for everything if you if you do it enough and you kind of phrase it the right way. So now the latest we've heard is that the Browns were never really seriously pursuing DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know. He's been to Tennessee. He's been to he's been to New England. He hasn't signed at those places. Took good visits there. Air quotes. Good visits. We'll see. I don't know. It's always it's always funny to me uh, with insider stuff. I'm, it's not my game, but neither here nor there. We're going to move on. Let's talk about some questions that you guys have asked, and there were some good ones here. So um, Jim Data, at GEM Data, uh, asked the question, if the Browns are successful, so you put PFF as a simulation tool, which is interesting. They just started this with subscribers. You can simulate games for the year. He said, if the Browns are successful, do you do you think they'll have an explosive offense or a stingy defense? Uh, which one will play a bigger role is what he's asking. I think we're hoping both of those, as you would know, right? Like they've done things that should indicate that the offense should be more explosive, and they've obviously made efforts to get the defense more more stingy. Now, some years you just know our defense is going to be bad, our offense is going to be good, whatever, whatever, and you, you, you understand and you have a bit more of a prediction on that. I think the Browns have every reason to be a better explosive offense. They also have a lot of reasons to be a more stingy defense, create more negative plays. The thing is, what they're trying to do on both sides is create the extremes, create more explosive plays on offense. I think they only had uh, 11 explosive plays over 30 yards offensively last year, which is like the bottom third of the NFL. They're trying to create more explosive plays on offense and more negative plays on defense. Hence why they're going after all the defensive linemen that they did, right, to create pass rush advantages. They're trying to get both of them. Which one would I predict? I think I feel better about predicting the offense. Defense, I, I need to see what Jim Schwartz stuff looks like. I think the offense is going to find ways through a better Deshaun Watson that we're already seeing come to fruition. Him getting back to himself, they're going to create more explosives. It's just going to happen as the cohesion improves. I think that's going to happen. If I had to predict one, the offense getting more explosive is my safest prediction. But that's not to say I don't think the defense is going to be more stingy. I really do. Next question from at no huddle VHS. Would love for you to do some David Bell film. What's his role this year? Projected numbers, impact that Deshaun Watson will have in his contributions to the offense. I know it's a lot, but cheers, he said. Um, yeah, I've seen the things this past week. David Bell won't make the team, right? Like, I, I don't think that that's uh, – I, listen, there are always going to be these these guys in camp, mini camp and training camp, who have a couple nice days, and you're thinking, oh, this guy will make the team, Right. This wide receiver will make the team here, there, or the other. Like it happens every year. There's always these guys, Dalen Baldwin types, these guys who have a nice run here, there, and, and people think they'll make the team. They're going to keep David Bell, right? They're going to keep him. It's his second year. They invested a third round pick in him, and he hasn't done anything to deter his situation away, right? He had 24 catches for 214 last year. I don't think it's going to get much better for him. I think he's going to be third in the pecking order. Now, if I were to say it is going to get much better, like a 30-catch, 300-yard season, if he caught a couple touchdowns, would be a great outcome. He's the fourth receiver, as I see, I currently project it. Maybe you could say the fifth behind Goodwin, right? Um, and I think that's fair. But you got to understand, Goodwin, Amari Cooper, these are guys who have been hurt several times through their career. So can that happen again? Sure. And that means David Bell kind of moves up the pecking order and is going to play more. I think if they're all playing, they're all out there. He's the fifth guy in the rotation. If he could get to 30 catches, 300 yards in an offense that's going to throw the ball more, I think that's a pretty good outcome for David Bell. That doesn't mean he can't continue to get better. 
and find ways onto the field in certain situations. But I think it's so it's so early to give up on a guy who has not had some massive issue hindering his ability to play, right? The offense wasn't tailored to three receiver sets last year. He got on the field in the slot when he could, took advantage of what he could from a system not targeting that position very often, even though the data said he was pretty good against man coverage, creating separation to get opportunities, right? So I'm in on David Bell still. I think it's way too early to predict guys like Jalen Darden over him. They're going to keep seven receivers. That's my hunch. I'll leave it at that. Next question comes from Doug Hoghege. I don't know. I could be pronouncing your name wrong. At gutcheck907. Andrew Barry addressed the major needs, defensive line, wide receiver, safety, but Achilles heel may be kicker. Should they have brought in competition? Kicker can ruin a season in an instant. I understand we are all very uneasy about Cade York, but I do truly believe he deserves the confidence of a second year. If it gets really bad in season, I'm sure they will have some plan in place to get somebody in. It cannot be awful but I don't think they're going to be replacing him or showing indications of replacing him. I think he has talent. He has natural leg talent. I want to see him get a couple years. I would like to try to develop him, be patient with him, because he has the natural ability not many kickers do. So I don't want to pull the cord on that too soon. I understand where you're coming from, though, Doug, and I am certainly there were moments last year that made me uneasy. Next question. Jason Herbert asks, Lego Man 0721, should we expect the offense to spend more time hunting for big plays than grinding our way to a bunch of third and twos? And do we have the firepower to hang with good teams that way? That's what I was just talking about earlier. They are hunting more big plays. They're going to do more things offensively to chase those big plays. They're going to put more speed on the field. They're going to diversify locations of players. Cooper, Moore, Goodwin getting out there. They're chasing bigger plays. They're chasing them through opportunities that then give Nick Chubb opportunities to create bigger plays, right? And the offense evolution should get you in that direction, okay? I think that I would feel better about the big plays from last year to this year, largely because you get 17 weeks of the same quarterback and one that's pretty good when he's got it all moving in the right direction. Next question from at Luke Sly six an underrated hire this offseason in analytics department is Dom Borsani, who studied predicting, determining center turn direction for a gap blitz. Interesting in context of five man rush comment from Schwartz. If you've looked at that research, would you comment? I have not totally dug into all of the research. I understand that there are a lot of people around the big data bowl in the NFL who like uh, really, really like what Dom put together. I think we'll pay close attention. I think you could agree with me, Luke, and who you know the listeners out there, that the, it does not feel like the Browns created very many situations where they were at a, a true pass rush advantage, where they had a key indicator of like us looking at how they're blitzing, and you can say they have solved how to get the right matchups at the right time. They know where teams are going to slide to. They out-scheme the offensive line and the offense in general. If we start to feel that way this year, I think whatever Dom is helping with, mixed with Jim Schwartz being a much more educated and experienced developer of pass rush plans, and you know, as we are sitting here, Okoronkwo going out and and getting Zadarius, those are indicators that they want to make this a huge part of what they do. That could mean some bare front stuff where they get creative with the front, under front stuff where they walk up, they're five down looking at the line of scrimmage, but I think more often than not, you're going to get a creative linebacker blitz in there, and they're going to put these talented secondary players to use. So great question from Luke Slide. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A couple questions here from the OBR, and we're going to wrap up this quick episode. Um, actually, strike that. We're going to go to an email. Benjamin Swanson, uh, appreciate you reaching out, Ben. This is um, a question that he has asked about pistol. I was hoping you could explain pistol formation starting from a basic level and then more specifically with how the Browns are looking to utilize it with Watson. I never played football, he said. Know the basics, but I'm interested to understand the nuance of this formation. What are its advantages versus under center or versus shotgun? And what about this formation plays into Watson's strengths? Okay, good question. Pistol really is a hybrid. No, it's a hybrid between two styles. Under center and the advantages that under center creates where the quarterback turns his back and there's more deception, right? And then there's uh, the element of shotgun, right? Where you're stepped away from the line of scrimmage. You can get back and remove yourself as a quarterback from the line of scrimmage and have more passing advantages. The thing that you like about pistol is, like I said, it still creates the under center advantages of play action deception. It also creates advantages of similar, like triple option stuff that you see teams run where they'll run this, like the, the Browns ran it from last year with that. I've, I've talked about it a little bit that read flat wheel stuff where you can get downhill from a running back position, right? So you can get downhill and then run RPOs off of it. You know, the pistol dating back to its creation was all about uh, creating advantages in the run game where you could run similar elements of, of option game, but also be a drop back team with an advantage being steps away three and a half yards, usually away from the center. So you got some of those uh, pass advantages that come with a, a shotgun formation structure right so 
at the core here, the Browns are able to use some natural run game stuff, their wide zone when they want to, some inside tight zone when they want to, and then they can use the quarterback pull, right, read element off of whatever they run. Then they have Watson in a position that I think he's more comfortable, which is away from the center. Step back shotgun stuff creates a more comfortable sort of aura around the quarterback. It's just the best of both worlds. And I think teams like to do it because, again, if a quarterback has the ability to use his legs, it creates opportunities to do that that you don't get from under center. But it also gives you a deception of, oh, we're in the pistol, but we can still three-step, five-step drop off of this pistol look where we still have some ability to hold the defense accountable to run stuff, run concepts. Because what you do in certain scenarios, based on where the running back lines up, you do lose some of the stuff that you would naturally be able to keep the defense accountable for. They'll eliminate certain concepts, run schemes, whatever, because of where the running back's line. But if he's still behind you, they can do wide zone. They can do bootleg. They can do downhill tight zone RPO stuff. They can do a whole bunch of different stuff. They could just do straight three-step drop. You know, the, the running back steps up into pass pro. There, there's just a bunch of elements there. It gives you the best of both worlds, Ben, is how I would describe it. And if you have a quarterback who's comfortable doing it, Usually it's the more mobile types. You can take advantage of it. But it is a little overrated. I don't think it's as effective as some people think it is in terms of like needing to have it. You don't need to have it. Uh, but I do think it creates some nice opportunities, run game, pass game, and the deception built in between that the Browns still want to take advantage of. Okay? Uh, question in the X and O thread comes from Tactical Bacon. Love that name. Tactical Bacon OBR. He says his question, it's a copycat league, an off-schedule play separate the very good from the very great. He says, I would assume the scramble drill is somewhat important, right? Getting off-schedule, right? Making plays with your legs as a quarterback, extending, breaking tackles, keeping the play alive. He said, can you explain how successful teams run the scramble drill? Are there more than if you're shallow, go deep, which that's the natural theory, right? You're shallow, turn up field, right? If you're deep, you come back at an angle. He said, I've never, screen, I've never seen a scramble drill breakdown or rules. Are there different ways it's run? Naturally, it is run that way. I think that the biggest thing for scramble drill is getting just comfortable with your quarterback. Like, how long does it naturally take Deshaun to get out of the pocket and move? How uh, What's the, the cadence in your route that you know, like, okay, the ball hasn't been delivered. Could he possibly be keeping this play alive? And that's for the offensive line and the guy's in receiving structure too. I really think more than anything else, and yes, you do work the natural elements of shallow turn up, deep comeback. That's all right, right? You got to know though, which way is your quarterback going? You got to work at an angle. That helps too. But some of it more than anything, and this is a lame answer, is just exposure to your quarterback. Knowing the types of plays he's able to keep alive, how often he does it, your mind is always laser focused in. Like if you talk to the guys from last year's team, whether that was with Baker or Jacoby or whoever over recent years, like you just know that if you run your route, you're pretty much done. There's not an extension of plays. If I run my post route, it's not getting to me. If I run this stick and it doesn't get out in a three-step manner, there's there's very little chance the quarterback is going to get out and create and find an open spot. I think it's just getting used to your quarterback, knowing you have one of those guys, and you get this heightened sense of awareness that I need to be constantly moving until I hear a whistle because if I'm not constantly moving I could get caught in no man's land and hurt this team and it's the same for the O-line as we saw many times last year who are just not used to you know the internal clock 1,000, 2,000, 1,000, 3,000 ball is out 
they get used to that natural cadence of, of a lot of what Stefanski does. Well, Deshaun is different. It takes him a little longer at times. He plays within rhythm, but it can take him a little longer at times. And when he's able to break away from things, guys gave up too soon both in the offensive line structure of continuing to block, and a lot of guys were guilty of this, and in the receivers finding open space. It'll come together, in my opinion. I don't think there's a magic elixir for scramble stuff. I do think you do the natural drills you talked about, Bacon. What's up? But I, I don't think there's like some perfect remedy. I think that you just get used to your quarterback doing that. You know where his eyes are going on a, on a concept or scheme. You know where to float. You get used to being with him. It's just an exposure experience thing. And I think the best in the industry would tell you something pretty similar. All right? That's a wrap for today. Not a ton of questions. I would love for the volume of those to pick up. Again, no silly question on this uh, mailbag edition. If there's anything you want to understand or comprehend or just have a discussion on, Never hesitate. Let me know. Go back and check out the stuff with Andrew Spade from this week where we ranked head coaches and did an analysis of the coaches, assistant coach, position coach comments that we saw from minicamp. I think there's a lot to be learned there. I'll be with Brad Ward tomorrow, so you'll get your things things we think we know about the Cleveland Browns edition you always get on Sunday. So that'll be out as well. Like I said, apologize for missing, being a little late on these, doing the best I can as a, as a dad of two children on Father's Day weekend. Uh, I'm trying my best. Listen, have a great Saturday night, Father's Day, if you're listening to this, both with your own father or if you're a father yourself, take the time to enjoy some time with your family. I know I will be doing the same. Thanks, guys, for stopping by. And those of you who submitted questions and have joined the OBR for some great Browns conversations, I appreciate you all very much. Rate, review the pod. You know I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Go Browns. Go Browns.